All right, guys, I'm really glad you're here, really thankful um, that you've chose to, to worship and be together this morning here at Grace. Really glad you're here. Um, so last week, we finished up a series, uh, Pastor John finished leading us through a series called The Heart of the Father, where we uh, tried to get a better understanding, a deeper look at who God is, who a clearer picture of what his heart is like. Um, so we're done with that series. We're going to begin a new series in a couple weeks, but uh, throughout the summer, we're going to be revisiting this series, David's Playlist. And it's going to be where we look at some different psalms that David wrote, and we're going to um, be going through them. Why? Why are we doing this? Well, because as we talked about earlier in the year, the first half of this year especially, we're really trying to get a better understanding of who God is. We're trying to learn more about his character. We want to know more about God. All right? And we can do this. One of the main ways we do this is by looking at Scripture. Okay, so that's what we're trying to do. We should all be pursuing the heart of God. All right, we should be doing that corporately here, together as we get together on Sunday mornings or in your life groups or throughout the week together in groups, but also it's, a, it's, it's necessary that we're doing this individually on our own, meeting with God in silence and solitude and, and spending time with Him alone. It's important that we're doing that. We need to be doing that. All right, so one of the main ways we do this is by reading Scripture and studying what, what God's Word has for us. And that's what we're doing. We're going to be looking at the Psalms. Um, Pastor CJ will be up here next week doing another one. So that's what we're doing. This is David's playlist. So a month ago, Rich kind of kicked this off, and he led us through Psalm 3. And that was a lament, right? That was, that's like a, a cry to God. That's what a, a lament is. And this was David crying out to God. He was going through it, like he was in the middle of it. Rough stuff was happening. He was calling out to God. He was being chased and hunted and oppressed by a bunch of different enemies. And he cried out to God. That's what Psalm 3 was. And we saw the heart of God in Psalm 3 actually through David's response. We said, how could a man in such a dire situation have such peace and courage and confidence in God's provision? Well, it's because it's the Lord's joy in us that gives us our strength. And now we're going to kind of touch on that a little bit today. But today we're going to talk about Psalm 18. And we're going to, I'm going to kind of like juxtapose Psalm 3. Psalm 3 was a lament. That was David crying out to God. In Psalm 18, this is a song of great praise. This is a song of great praise after a great victory. This is David thanking God after a, a period of hardship and trial similar to what was found in Psalm 3 when, when Rich was up here a month ago. All right, so for the purpose of context, it's, it's important as we're looking at God's word to understand, like, what's, what's going on here? Who wrote this? Who did they write it to? Why did they write it? When was it written? This is really important to, to know these things going into reading God's word. And sometimes in the Bible, there's literary features that matter. Like some are poems, like, like a lot of the Psalms, right? There's, there's structures of certain writings in, in Scripture that are beneficial to know. So I thought it would be beneficial if I just kind of pointed out the layout of Psalm 18 so you kind of know what to expect here. Um, Psalm 18 can be broken up into five parts. First, there's an introduction. That's verses 1 through 3. Makes sense, right? Right at the beginning, that's the introduction. Then there's these like three parts in the middle that make up a lot of the meat of Psalm 18. There's part 1, verses 4 through 19. This is a picture of God, the deliverer. All right, this is about the Lord's deliverance of David from his mortal enemies in response to David's cry for help. Then part 2 is, is verses 20 through 29. This is the basis of that deliverance. This is the moral grounds for the Lord's saving help. 
This is how David was in a right relationship with God, and that's why God heard his cry. Then part three, 30 through 45, this is the testimony of victory through God. All this really is, these verses, is this is David recounting the Lord's help. This is David saying how God saved me. I didn't do anything. David didn't do a thing. This is how God did it. And then finally, the conclusion, verses 46 through 50, David really brings it home. This would be, fancy word, is like a doxology. This is like a praise and worship to God. That's how we're ending this psalm. And in all of that fancy stuff that I just said, there's three key points that, that I want us to take away from today and actually apply to our lives moving forward. But before we do any of that, I need to pray. So would you pray with me? God, uh, we thank you that we're, that we're able to get together and, and hear from you, to open up your word and allow you to speak to us. So God, I pray that you would, you would soften our hearts a little bit, put us in a right place to hear from you what you have to say. I pray that you would, you would allow us to hear from you and that you'd give me the, the ability to do it in a way that is, uh, is beneficial for everyone listening and, and honors you, God. So we thank you for that, and in your name we pray. So listen, I remember when I was younger, there were events and milestones in my life that I was really looking forward to, things that, that we all look forward to. Um, things like I graduated high school, right? Every kid looks forward to that. I can't wait to graduate high school and see what's next. Uh, me personally, I was really excited. I went in the Marine Corps. I was super pumped about that. I went in the Marine Corps, and, and then a few years later, I got out. I was even more excited about that. I th- I'm so surprised. I thought like three people who were active duty would have laughed at that. But I got more laughs. That was good. So yeah, I was looking forward to that, and then it happened, right? And I get out, and then, then I got like a, a real job, a career, right? I was looking forward to that. That happens. And then I got married, and that was, that's been pretty sweet, right? I was looking forward to that. That happened. Um, and then children, right? These are all like milestones and events that, that we look forward to. And at the time that these events happened, I, I kind of just like experienced them. I, like I enjoyed them, right? You make the most of them, I enjoy them, but I kind of just experienced them and then like I moved on to the next big thing that I was excited about. I never really took the time and, and to thank God, like what was going on. Now I wasn't following Jesus at the time for Almost everything that I just named, I wasn't following Jesus, so I, I didn't really even think to thank him, but it's pretty awesome that, to think that I have a God that loves me so much that, that he pursued me, chased me even, while I was just living selfishly and ungratefully, not even thinking of him while he's blessing me, and he's still pursuing me. That's pretty awesome, but I never took the time to stop and to thank him or to see how he was working in my life. Now that I've, I've grown a little bit older and I've grown closer to Jesus, I've realized this awareness in my life of his blessings. Um, I still have a ton of growth to do, obviously, but I find myself stopping and thanking him more and more. Um, I even, sometimes my kids make fun of me a little bit because I'll pray before dinner and I'll like thank God for taste because God didn't have to do that and that's pretty cool. But I don't care. I'm thankful for these things and I will thank God for everything. So, I notice that as I get a little bit older, but it makes me wonder, like, how often do we just move on to the next thing? We're all excited about stuff. How often do we experience it, we, we accomplish it, or we succeed, and then we just move on to the next thing without even taking a step back and thanking God or seeing what he was doing there? It's kind of like we live a life of consumption and self-pleasure, kind of like it's all about us. We all 
do this from time to time. Okay, so what about those things that we stress about? What about those things that, like, we get anxious about? Those things that we worry and they just kind of eat at us, right? What about those things? Well, if you think about it, those things also eventually pass at some point, right? And inevitably, inevitably we start worrying and stressing about that next big thing. But, but the thing is, is there, there's always a next big thing. There's always a next big thing. Do we, are we stopping? Are we stopping and thanking God? Not only for how he got us through it or for how he's getting us through it, but also for how he grew us through that thing. So like think of it, make it personal. Think, it, think of it in your life right now. Is it, maybe it's school. All right, maybe it's a job situation. Maybe it's a big move. Maybe it's a, a failing relationship that's just really struggling. Whatever it is, eventually this thing will conclude or change in some way at some point. Are you stopping to see how God is at work there and thanking him for it? See, Psalm 18 is a psalm of thanksgiving. This is a psalm of thanks after a super hard time for David. And it's not like he was like worrying about some small decision to make, something silly, which... Small decisions can be stressful, but this was different. David just spent 15 years being oppressed and hunted by a bunch of different enemies. One of them was his mentor. Like, think of how devastating that is. The guy you look up to, the guy you you aim to be like, hunting you to try to kill you. 15 years. 15 years like that. He lost his safety. He lost his youth. He lost his family. He lost his career. He lost his comforts. He even lost his connection with the covenant people of God. And yet, he's still thankful. Somehow, he's still thankful. Despite all he's gone through, David remains steadfast to the Lord in his timing. In fact, he couldn't help but be thankful. That's what Psalm 18 is. He couldn't help but be thankful. How? How and why was David able to be thankful? So there's, there's two reasons here. There's two reasons why David was able to be thankful. The first one is up there. Remember, the first reason he was able to be thankful is because he took the time to stop. He didn't just move on to the next big thing. He didn't just move past it. He took the time to stop, and he took time to remember. He wasn't just remembering what God did for him, but he was remembering who God is. As David thought back on all the things that God did for him through through this past trial, it reminded him and even proved to him who God is, his character a faithful, protecting, providing God. And as David remembered and thought on all the ways that God had protected and provided and come through on past promises, it helped David have confidence in and assurance of other promises that God had made to him. And that's exactly how David ends this psalm. In verses 46 through 50, I'm going to read this. David says, The Lord lives, and blessed be my rock, and exalted be the God of my salvation. The God who gave me vengeance and subdued peoples under me, who rescued me from my enemies. Yes, you exalted me above those who rose against me. You delivered me from the man of violence, his mentor. For this I will praise you, O Lord, among the nations and sing to your name. Verses 46 through 49, that's David remembering what God has done for him and who God is. And then praising him for it. And what this does This actually gives David confidence to trust in future promises, promises yet fulfilled. And if you look at the last verse of this psalm, verse 50, that's exactly what that is. 
Verse 50 says, great salvation he brings to his king and shows steadfast love to his anointed, to David and his offspring forever. Verse 50 is a direct reference to a promise that God made to David, a covenant actually. So it can be found, you don't have to look it up, but it can be found in 2 Samuel chapter 7, verses 8 through 16. This is where God makes a promise to David that through his family, through his descendants, his throne and kingdom will be established forever, which, by the way, has been and is being fulfilled in Jesus Christ, David's great descendant. So this is how David ends this psalm, with faith in God's promises. This is the importance of reminding ourselves of who God is and what he's already done through us for us through Jesus. Remembering his faithfulness, provision, and protection in the past gives us confidence moving forward. Think about that. Remembering how God has been for us in the past gives us confidence as we move forward. So the cool thing here is that we've been, each one of us has a life filled with examples. Filled with examples of how God is for us. He pursues us. Just look back on your life and you can see all of these things that God has done. God's, God's been chasing you your whole life. We're blessed in that we can look back and we can remember these times. See, when a, this, is, this is a cool thing. This is how much God loves us. That when a person turns to Christ and comes into the light, they're not only able to see the path before them and how that they should walk from this point forward, but they're actually able to, for the first time, see what was really going on in their life before they came to Christ. The light of God shines in both directions. It's pretty beautiful. It's ironic, too, because we got a bunch of people here that I went to high school with that showed up. So it's crazy because they, they knew me when I didn't know Jesus, and it's, it's crazy. Uh, so I'm thankful for that. But that's, that's David. That's what he's doing. He's remembering David wasn't only able, but he wanted to. He wanted to look back over these hard times that he just had these past 15 years and recount all the ways that God had delivered him. But not only do we have our lives, guys, we, we have the word of God. Not only do we, we have the ability and the blessing to look back on our lives and remember God's faithfulness and pursuit of us, but we have his word, a book filled with God's promises to each one of us. Pick it up, read it. Know what God's promises to you are. Remember what God's promises to you are. Preach the good news of Jesus to yourself on a daily basis. You can't help but be thankful, just like David. Listen, I, and I know, like as I was saying these things and preparing for this, I understand that it can be difficult to think about the past. I totally get that. I am right there with you. We've been through things, there's been hard circumstances, mistakes, right? All of these things, as we remember back on them, they have the opportunity to draw up hurt, regret, right? But 2 Corinthians 7.10 tells us that godly sorrow leads to repentance and lament and remorse that we've gone against what God says is best for our lives. And at the same time, at the same time, we have a father who's forgiving, waiting to take us back in, waiting to welcome us home. We just went over this the past few weeks, past month, two months, on Sunday mornings. Our God is waiting for us to forgive us and just take us back in his arms. So, just like 2 Corinthians 7.10 says, don't get caught up in worldly grief. The red flag is self-pity and regret. 
Because that's when we're focusing on our sin, when instead we should be focusing on the one who's ready to forgive. And that actually leads us to the second reason why David was able to be thankful. And that's actually our second key point for today. Focus on God, not self. David could have easily focused on his circumstances, his situation, the losses he took, the difficult decisions he was forced to make. He could have focused on these things. The mistakes he made, of course he made mistakes. The regrets he had, he could have focused on all these things, but he didn't. He instead focused on God. He was focused on how God had blessed him, the things that God had done for him through that trial. He focused on who God is, God's character. David focused on who God has proved himself to be through the things that David has experienced in his life. We can all do that. God has proved himself to be something in your life. Focus on his character, not your circumstances. Look at these first two verses of Psalm 18. Remember, this is after 15 years of just, just on the run. And this is what he says. He says, I love you, O Lord, my strength. The Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield, the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. That first verse, there's a lot in that statement. I love you, Lord, my strength. Think of the relief and the gratitude in those words. And then he goes on to describe a little bit of why he loves the Lord. Look at the second verse. He says, God, you are actually, you have proved yourself to be my strength and my provider, my deliverer, the actual real source of provision and protection. That's who you've proved to be to me. Not that I think you are. You've actually proved this to me. That's why I'm saying these things. In that f- these first two verses, look what David does. He names nine attributes of God. Nine. He says, God, you are my strength, my rock, my fortress, my deliverer, my rock, my refuge, my shield, the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Yes, I said rock twice, and yes, I'm counting them twice. Because they're two different things. The first rock is like something you could stand upon, like a strong foundation, something you can have firm footing in. The second rock is like, think of a big rock with like a crack in it. They could you like skirt, slide right in there for some like protection, right? Like a refuge. Two different types of rock, I'm counting them, nine attributes, all right? What David's doing in this, he's saying, Lord, I was, I was, it was a point where I was weak. I was weak. I had nothing left in me, and I turned to you, and you were my strength. Are you saying that, that I, I had no firm footing? I was, I was falling, and I stood on you, and you were my strength. You were my foundation. You were my rock. He is looking at the struggles that he just went through in his life, and he's seeing how God showed up in his life, and that is who God is. He's recounting all the hardships that he just experienced, all the circumstances that seemed impossible to escape at the time, and then he's listing the way that God proved himself to be faithful in all of that. David understood that focusing on himself alters how we view God. Focusing on self begins to separate us from God. Our circumstances, trials, hurts, losses, regrets, our sins, they begin to take the forefront when we focus on ourselves. But when we focus on God, we start to realize that our circumstances, trials, hurts, losses, regrets, sins, they don't determine the goodness of God. 
When you focus on God, you see his goodness and his faithfulness rather than your circumstances. You begin to worship and praise him even in the middle of those circumstances. You begin to grow close to him and grow a passion for him. As you focus on God rather than self, you begin to see that there's absolutely nothing you can do to make God love you any more than he already does. And there's nothing that you could do to make God love you any less. He loves you so much. And that brings us to our third key point for today, that God delights in you. No matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter what you've gone through, God delights in you. As I began like studying for this psalm and reading it, um, the first thing that came to my mind was, hey, uh, there's 50 verses. How come Rich got eight last month? And then as I worked through all of that, then I got to things that actually mattered. And I was like, man, there's some things in here that kind of make, make me feel. I don't know if I like the way I feel. Um, so, yeah, I kind of I felt a certain way here. In verses 20 through 27 specifically, but um, I'm going to read 20 through 23. Uh, it's a, a bit of that. The Lord, this is what David's saying. He's saying, The Lord dealt with me according to my righteousness. According to the cleanness of my hands, he rewarded me. For I have kept the ways of the Lord, and I have not wickedly departed from my God. For all his rules were before me, and his statues I did not put away from me. I was blameless before him, and I kept myself from my guilt. Man, as I read that, I kind of felt myself filling with a little bit of like self-pity, maybe regret. I'm thinking, I'm like, man, I'm not, I'm not blameless before God. I've turned from his ways before. Like, my hands are far from clean of sin. Do you see? Do you see what just happened? Do you see how easy it is to focus on self and get caught in worldly grief? Do you see what I just did? We all do this. I literally did that. As I'm preparing to preach about it, right? It's so easy to turn on self and focus on ourselves, but instead these verses should point us to the heart of our Father. They should point us to God's character, but then I thought of David, and I'm like, man, how could, how could he say these things? He sinned. He wasn't blameless. And yeah, this psalm was written when he was a bit younger, right? Before, before like, he you know, slept with another man's wife, and then he killed that guy, right? But then what's crazier here is right before David was about to die, in 2 Samuel chapter 22, he recites Psalm 18 again, the entire thing, almost verbatim. In fact, he adds two extra verses. He says all of these things all over again. This is after Bathsheba. This is after killing Uriah. This is after sin. This is after falling away from God at times. So how can David say that he is blameless, pure, and righteous? Look at verse 19. Look at what verse 19 says. He brought me out into a broad place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. God delighted in David. Why? How? Because David always came back to God. Every time, no matter how many times he sinned, he felt the reality of his sin. He mourned it. He repented. He turned from his sin and he went to God. And God forgave him. God delights in us when we walk with him. He wants nothing more than just for us to walk with him. David was heard in the day of his trouble because he had found favor in the sight of God. That's what verse 19 says. And this principle remains true today. It's the Lord's joy in us that gives us our strength. 
Not so much our joy in him, although that's certainly a thing and it's beautiful, but it's his joy in us. That's what Nehemiah 8.10 says, the joy of the Lord is your strength. And how do we bring joy to the Lord? The answer is in 2 John. It tells us that surely he rejoices when his children are walking according to truth. See, I think A.W. Tozer said this very well, better than I could say it, so I'm going to quote him. He said, God takes great pleasure in having a helpless soul come to him, simply and plainly and intimately. He takes pleasure in having us come to him. This kind of Christianity doesn't draw big crowds. It draws only those who have their hearts set on God. Those who want God more than they want anything else in the world. These people could have everything stripped away from them and still have God. This was David. He stayed close to God and God delighted in him. But there's a difference. There's a difference between us and David. And this difference should actually give us more confidence than David that God delights in us. See, I'm going to read Ephesians. We read that earlier. I'm going to read it again. But I want you to think of this as I read it. I want you to think of how much God delights in you. Think of the things that God is telling you, personally you. Not us as a crowd, but you individually. This is what God is saying to you, how much he delights in you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. He chose you. Before anything, he chose you. That we should be holy and blameless before him. You too, when you're walking with him, are blameless and holy before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ. You're his children, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved. We are blessed in Jesus Christ. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, our sins, according to the riches of his grace. Jesus died for you, for us. This is the blessing and the glory of the grace of God in our lives. That when you actually believe, when you actually believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus died for you personally, and that you, you say, oh God, I need your help. God then looks at you and he doesn't see your sin, he doesn't see your guilt, he doesn't see your blame, he sees Jesus. You are blameless and pure when you are in Christ. In Christ, he delights in you. Man, as we walk with him, remember we talked about last week, we don't walk near him or around him, we walk with him, intimately with him. As we walk with him, we can confidently say and know that he delights in us and he will deliver us, just like David said. Listen, I know, I, know, I know life is tough. I know it. I'm literally living it with you. We're all going through something. We're all going through something. We're all going to go through something. We've all been through things. Life is tough. I get it. And I know it can be difficult in the middle of it to thank God 
But I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what, from experience I can tell you this, that it is near impossible to thank God when you're going through it, when you're focusing on yourself and not on his character. So let me, let me to drive this home, let me leave you with one verse in Psalm 18 that I'm thankful God slapped me in the face with. It's verse 35. David says, you have given me the shield of your salvation and your right hand supported me and your help made me great. Your help made me great. The Hebrew word for help here is anwat, which, which actually means gentleness. So what David is saying here is your gentleness made me great. And uh, uh, many translations actually say your gentleness makes me great. This is like a parent's gentleness, right? Where there could have been ridicule or harshness. Instead, there's gentleness. I, I, would, I would say that that would... Um, Certainly help a child grow well, right? To extend grace and gentleness instead of harshness and ridicule. In the same way, God's gentleness and patience towards us helps us learn in steps rather than us giving up after the first few failures or after many failures in a row. It's God's gentleness that makes us great. And in turn, that makes him great. That shows how great he is. Let's remember this. Let's remind ourselves of this. Remind yourselves constantly of how much God delights in you. How he gave his only son to die for us so that we could be blameless and pure before him and have a personal relationship with him. And if we're actually doing this, if we're actually thinking back on the things in our life and seeing how God was there, thanking him for it, and being proven and being sure of how he actually delights in us and he is for us, then, man, you cannot help but be thankful, just like David, even when you're going through it. Guys, let me, let me pray. Lord, I'm so thankful that you are for us. I'm so thankful that you love us. I'm so thankful that you delight in us. God, <clears throat> there's a lot of us here who are walking with you, Lord. We've given our life to you. And there's still struggles, and we still struggle at a time. We want to, want to focus on ourselves, and we forget to focus on you. And there's so much. There's so much there, God. But the thing is, is that following you, it's so simple. It's not the easiest thing, Lord, but it is simple. Lord, I pray for everyone in this room that, that we would see the need for you in our life. That this isn't just a game we play. This isn't just somewhere we show up on Sundays and another day out the week and you know, fool ourselves and play this game. But this is, this is real life, Lord. You really do love us. You are real. You pursue us. And there is a room filled. There is a world filled of people with lives filled with examples of how you have been chasing us our whole lives. But if we don't take the time to look back, we're never going to see these things, Lord. So I pray that we can do this and be thankful and see how that you delight in us, Lord. God, we love you. We give you all the praise, the glory, the honor. You are worth it all, Lord. Amen.